Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. For tonight's episode, I am very excited. Um, this is another one that's been a long time coming. I have with me today the co-creator of Obsidian Brews, um, somebody who does a lot of things in the nerd community, including uh, Renfair and cosplay and TTRPGs, of course. So if you would like to introduce yourself. Hello there. <laughs> Hi, I am uh, Bendy. I go um, by Bendy Dinosaurs on Twitter, and those in the cosplay world know me as Belladonna Cosplay. Uh, I am a nerd. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Recently, I put together a portfolio, and I was like, what do I write on here? And I was like, geek aficionado. And I'm like, that's the dorkiest thing I've ever said. Uh, so, <laughs> But is it accurate? That's what we need It's to know. accurate. It's a little dorky, but you know what? That's me. So, yeah. hey. <laughs> no, that's yeah, super exciting. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you know, there's obviously a lot of stuff um, that I want to talk about. A lot of those same things, but like... For you, when did this all start? Because um, we mentioned some of the stuff that you're interested in, but like, when did that start for you? Mm. Uh, when I was a wee babe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my my parents are both nerds. My mom, a, a sci-fi nerd. My dad was the one that got me into like D&D. So like everything started at a very, very young age. Um, I, my first movie I ever saw was Jurassic Park. Nice. And I was barely one years old and my parents lied and said that they thought it was a Disney movie, but really they couldn't find a sitter. Yeah. So that kind of catapulted <laughs> me down my path of like, ooh, cool, out of the box stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as long as I can remember, just just bombarded with nerdy things, D&D, fantasy, uh, Dune, Lord of the Rings, all of it. Like it's been part of my life. When did your dad start playing D&D with you? I think my earliest campaign <laughs> was <laughs> six years old. Wow. Um, I got to play with him and his cousins and he's like asked me to help him steer his character. And apparently I got him killed immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens, you know, um, you have to kind of accept it. I think the same thing now with a lot of parents probably in video games and like mm-hmm. their kids want to play and it's just like, well, I have a save. So if yeah. shit goes downhill, then shit goes downhill. <laughs> There's really nothing yeah. we can do about it. No, he learned the same way. But when I was uh, barely able to like hit the buttons, I yeah. killed his Mario character several times. <laughs> so it's it's fun. I don't have any kids of my own, but I can't wait to have those moments with my goddaughter to just yeah. be like, you know, here's the game that I love that you're going to love, too. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think it's it's super special when anything like that can be shared. Um, mm-hmm. You know, was your your dad like did he continue on through that or was just kind of like that introduction? And then, you know, did you take a while for you to get back into it or were you kind of just at the table every time they were together? So, uh, my growing up, my dad and I ended up kind of drifting apart. There was a lot of things that were introduced to me at such a young age and from, um, his lens. Yeah. Uh, so my mother, my mother is from Jamaica and my dad, um, is essentially like European. I took one of those tests and of course now the government's got my DNA and, Oh, fun stuff, but <laughs> he's like Norse and all this, whatever. Anyway, okay. it was all from his lens. Gotcha. Um, so I started to cultivate my own kind of love and understanding for D&D and nerdum outside of him mm-hmm. um, and kind of create like just kind of fell down the path in my own way. Um, okay. We played when I was at a very young age, but then like probably past the age of 10, it was all me and my friends. Yeah. So. I mean, that's pretty cool, though, to, like, pick it up at that age of 10 and still try to do it on your own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was it a struggle? It was a struggle. It was because, like, I, I wasn't – I didn't have any of his, like, books. I didn't have any, like, like starter kit for myself. Right. So, like, I'd be at the library, and I remember our library had, like, minimal D&D content, like, pages ripped out, yeah. like, smeared stuff that was already, like, written on. And I remember, like, me and a couple – the only couple of kids I could get to play with me because – I'd, I think I like traded like a Yu-Gi-Oh card or something like that. And I was like, look, we can like all hang out and do this together. Um, we do like little mini campaigns that were like based on like shows we loved at that time period, yeah. you know? So it I was, mean. it was cool. We kind of just started creating our own worlds and probably not following the rules in any way whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I think that there's something to that though. Um, something really beautiful to that too, because yeah. it helps to kind of, build that part of your mind um to build that part Absolutely. of your mind that is like yeah. yeah like you can start to work around the rules a little bit you understand how to adjust in situations because you've had to like just figure it out before right um, yeah. i think that's, that's something that our generation as far as kind of like elder millennials and mm-hmm. you know folks kind of like in that realm we had to teach ourselves a lot of things. Like with MySpace, we had to teach ourselves coding. Yeah. You know, those of us who were fan fiction kids, we would literally edit our own like trailers. So we knew we taught ourselves video editing. Yeah. So I think we are the generation of like, pick it up, see how it works and go with it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's great, especially for all of us creative brains. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, you look at the success of some of the people that have taken that same thing and turned it into something and now are like, big YouTubers, you know what I mean? Like they make money just like creating a tutorial for somebody to do something, um, you know, and uh, since getting into podcasting, that's one thing I've looked at a lot. And it's like, Mm -hmm. there's like literally podcasters that have 15, 20 mics that just people send them and they're just like, let me just review these six mics that are each $300. And I'm like, right. Why? (laughs) 
why is nobody paying me to do this? <laughs> right. I like I want to test out some dice. Let me yeah. let me tell you how it clacks against different surfaces. Yeah, you know? for sure. Oh yeah. gosh, that sounds like a polygon video. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, I think the accessibility of like you said, the YouTubers doing tutorials. Yeah. You know, that is really important, especially to like new and upcoming DMs and mm-hmm. you know, kids that maybe weren't exposed to D when they were younger, but now because the market is so saturated with it, they can go online and either yeah. look at like fast, you know, the, the, you know, I think there's like a YouTube video called like the crap guide to D <laughs> and D it, and it's, it's accurate. Yeah. It's crap, but it's also accurate. <laughs> and like, or you can get the more in depth ones. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important to have. For sure. I, I actually mentioned this on Twitter cause I'm so um, averse to, doing anything on YouTube personally, just because it just stresses me out the idea of it. But like, I, (laughs) that's one area where I wish POCs would get more involved is doing that stuff because it's like, you literally have six channels providing the same thing. It's just, who do you, whose voice do you like more? Who, you know what I mean? Who do you feel like has more experience? Right. Like, um, whatever it is, but you know, there's a lot of really talented, intelligent POCs out there who could do this and just, for whatever reason, have decided not to. Um, so yeah. yeah, this is me again screaming to the void. Somebody yeah. do it, please. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, yes, please. Yeah. I think one thing is that when we think about D and D, you know, we think about like a bunch of white kids in their basement, you know, mm, yeah. and that's and that's been like the stereotype norm that everyone has thought of since this, you know, since it was released on this back in the seventies, yeah. and like even with you know Stranger Things it feeds into that mentality of like, this is for this particular culture, yeah. you know, and you don't think that there are, you know, POCs out there that would thrive in D and D. We don't see that. That was never, you know, marketed. And I, and I think it's really important now that we have like a Bria who is just taking over. And mm-hmm. I love, love. It was like the summer of Abria and, and now it's going to be like the winter, I think they said. or so. I don't know what it was. It was amazing. It's just never going to end, yeah. But I love that she has that platform. And it's it, it it inspired me. I was like, oh, my gosh, like there's a space for us. Like we can we can finally step up and people are going to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to help you get this platform. Yeah. You know, not knocking any of the like white creators and the and the people in the D&D sphere. Like uh, Ginny D is out there making some of the best videos ever. But like, yeah. you know she's also an advocate of like, you know, if anyone else, like, please come up here with me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely, when I first started getting into it, um, watched a ton of web DM, um, you know, and I found their videos super informative and they're two older white guys, um, yeah. you know, and, um, but yeah, and now we have G4 TVs coming back and B.D. Yes. Walters is the DM for that. And, um, I mean, that's such a huge, huge deal. Like you said, I mean, the representation of course is so, um, it's so important, you know, and I think people have talked a lot about like Matt Mercer and the Matt Mercer effect. Um, mm-hmm. And he clearly does not appreciate that sentiment at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that there is something to that. You know, there are a lot of really talented people out there and it's not just him. It's not just his style. Um, and so it's nice to see more people kind of yeah. get some spotlight to that and and shine a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think it's important. I I really enjoy Matt Mercer's work and yeah. another one and like same with uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan. I think oh Brennan God. Lee Mulligan yeah. is my one of my D&D heroes. Like not just D&D but 
at role playing yeah. and the way that he floats into characters i always felt weird being the person who wanted to get into my npcs mm -hmm. and wanting to make them you know dark or um or way too whimsical and out there and crazy like i was afraid that people would think i was lame or you know yeah. doing voices and things like that and it's like now it's finally being shown like hey it's cool to be this nerdy about tabletop <laughs> so yeah no, yeah, 100%. Brendan Lee Mulgan is insane um, with mm -hmm. the improv, of course. Um, yes. But I think also, too, um, his ability to, like, really connect with the players and yes. and their PCs and, like, pull out these really intense emotional moments, mm -hmm. um, which is such a cool thing that we can do in TTRPGs and, um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to to get there. I think not every table can achieve it because right. there's a lot a lot of trust that goes into it. Yes, I yeah. think as a DM, you can only you have to kind of always be prepared for your players to be working through something. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I think it's great to see that portrayed more because I mean it, it, I think they're starting this whole campaign to do like uh, therapy through tabletop. Yeah. And, you know, some, you just have to have the right temperament for it. And I think that's a, an amazing and beautiful thing that we're starting to see, like little nuggets of that in these campaigns that they're playing over, you know, Critical Role and Dimension 20. And as, you know, as a POC, that's something that I wanted to work through with certain campaigns that I've been doing. And like, I think you saw when I would post on Twitter about yeah. my um, Arkham one that I want to do. But I wanted to do a uh, black only black run and played and content created uh, Call of Cthulhu campaign based in Lovecraft. Yeah. And not being afraid to say that I want this to be black and I mm -hmm. want it to be based around black culture. And the moment I put that out there, a individual, <clears throat> choosing my words, an individual <laughs> immediately jumped to oh i can't wait to see how these players uh play through segregation or i'm can you tell i'm a history buff and it was like why is it that we think that when we have black people involved it's going to somehow involve like black trauma and it's like no all of you you know within the the fantasy realm your characters get to experience all these whimsical and wonderful things and not have it be based around, you know, something terrible that actually happened in your lives, mm -hmm. which. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so it's just like the idea of like, we can also occupy this space and have these stories that are told from our perspective and it not be centered around our hardships, if that yeah. makes sense. And I think, again, you know, we deal with that in the media, like every movie that comes out, it's revolved around black trauma. And it's like, we, we don't have to do that every time. Right. It's nice to be able to go on this sci-fi adventure and it be black. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's so much opportunity for that and for representation in that, in that realm. And that's something that I wanted to cultivate in that campaign and what I wanted to cultivate within Obsidian Brews. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I definitely want to talk about Obsidian Brews because I think yeah. it's important to like the idea, and I've I've been realizing realizing this more now. I just 
recorded a one shot this past Sunday um, as of this recording. Yay! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and and then did a um, a session zero for another one on Monday. Okay. And uh, and so I I this idea of like being able to provide space for POCs um, mm-hmm. to represent themselves to play in these games and to have um, a lot of the stuff like that was one of the um, well, I'll tell you specifically when I first started Twitter, I, I, there was only a few people. I was like, I know for sure I'm going to follow these people because of I avoided social media for so long. I did a very basic like internet research right. um, into t- POC TTRPGs. And which of course, right. if you look up POC TTRPGs, you find the Twitter account POC TTRPGs yes. who did a blog. And so I was like, Love okay, it. well, I'm definitely going to follow him. So, um, and then one of the first things that I saw him post after I created it was like, Go pay attention to Bendy. What they're doing is amazing. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah I got to – let me figure out. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is incredible. Like I definitely want to see this and, you know, mm-hmm. be a part of it if I can. But if I can't, like support whatever you're doing. So I will give you the floor. Go ahead and talk about <laughs> Obsidian Bruce. <laughs> Obsidian Bruce. So I wanted to create a space online and in person um, – for the black community, you know, by black creators for them that we can connect and network and basically cultivate a tabletop, you know, community and family and show that like, hey, this is a space for us too. We can create our own representation with this within this world. And I know like Obsidian Bruises isn't really anything new or, you know, out of this world. Bang. Oh my gosh, no one thought of this. But like, I just wanted to help make the space and to put it out there and to utilize connection and networks and to really just bring people together. And my, my hope and my vision for the future is to basically have an online library and resource center uh, that, you know, sponsored and what's, what's the word, like basically cultivated, you know, so that, you know, players, a network so players can utilize it for free. So it's all paid for. We have books for them because a lot of times like, I found when I was younger and I didn't have access to the books, like I, I didn't have the money to buy a book on my own, you know, and like yeah. I, when I moved away from, you know, where I was living, I couldn't find D&D books at my library. So I want to be able to have a space for anyone, really, if teachers want to, you know, have their class learn more about tabletop and utilize that for, you know, for any projects or I just, I wanted to have access, um, And so that young creators and young tabletop players could just have a space to go and have fun and play and grow. And even outside of that, like there are so many incredible players and DMs that don't get recognized and noticed and to utilize any, anything I can do to help, you know, propel them to where they deserve to be like I'm I'm for it I've always been the type of like you know hey if you're really good at this like I'm gonna do whatever I can in my power to help you be known and I want to have that kind of space um so that was my thinking behind Obsidian Brews and then I I approached Tranquil Ashes with it um she's done some D&D like live streams with me before she's an incredible cosplayer and she she came up with the name Obsidian Brews and we were talking about how 
what that would look like in a future space, you know, online, offline, you know, getting people excited about D&D and realizing that, hey, we have this and not just D&D, like there's, you know, the Wagadu Chronicles that's coming out Mm -hmm. and utilizing that network to help boost interest in that or to get people playing. Or if there's a young designer, you know, who didn't know that they could have the, you know, space and the availability to, to get their idea off the ground, to just have them on a platform, you know, and that, yeah, that's kind of the vision. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a beautiful thing. And, and um, really like, even though you said, you know, that maybe it's not a new thing or whatever, I think, you know, what, what this project has taught me is that like, even if it's something that might be similar to what somebody else is doing, like Mm -hmm. nobody can tell your story, right? Nobody can do it with your voice. And so it's so important because um, there's another show that I really love called Eat Crit um, by Brandy Mm -hmm. Rose. And it's very similar to mine, but we have, you know, different interview styles. We have different perspectives. We have um, a different way of approaching things. And so what Brandy does is so important and what I'm doing is important. And so mm-hmm. it's okay, even if we interview the same person, like right. there's still so much that can be gained there. And I think that to the same extent, anything that we're doing for the black community yes. is is such an important thing because I look at it in a similar perspective. And I think, and honestly, um, Obsidian Bruce and you have inspired me a lot in this way because m- people who listen to my show know I do not like Twitter so or social media in general. And so I'm such a like... I, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, well, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, to that end, like my buddies as I was getting into this were like, you need to tweet more, promote more. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I hate that. Like it just, I, it's yeah. so dumb. But that being said, so like a lot of times when I'm doing it now, it's just like, let me shout out these POC shows um, that are doing great stuff too that people aren't talking about mm-hmm. um, because nobody else in the space is doing there's however many thousands tens of thousands of folks in the ttrpg space creators and otherwise mm-hmm. and they're all talking about these same other shows right or these same other friends or it's the same circle and it's like okay well maybe you guys aren't realizing it but you're leaving a lot of incredible black and other poc people out of your circle right. and it, i mean somebody has to do it because i think as black folks we have a hard time of putting ourselves out there yes it, that's it seems like to me like that's something Absolutely. that we're really doing a bad, a bad job of yeah yeah i mean there i'm not you know not to speak for everyone but right, there, there's this idea of like what's the point of putting myself out there if you know if this white person's going to get chosen no matter what you know mm-hmm. and it, yeah and it's tough and even on the small scale i tweeted it out today um that i entered a halloween contest this is very simple like on the simplest thing yeah. i was very nervous and scared to enter this halloween contest at my job i was like i don't know these people they're not nerdy like me like are, are they gonna like my costume are they gonna think i'm weird and i was like you know what i'll enter it i entered in one of my costumes i lost to uh, someone dressed like Kurt Cobain who was wearing just like three shirts out of their closet. And yeah. I, I knew that I wasn't like, I don't think I'm going to win at any point, but I was like stacked up against someone who dressed like one of their faves. Cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's just like simple things. It's like, why bother? And, and we're, 
kind of pushed into that mentality, especially with yeah. tabletop. Why mm-hmm. bother if they're all always going to go with Matt Mercer at the top? Yeah, you know, and even he doesn't want that to be yeah. the way things are done. You know, and for me, Obsidian Brews within the Black community, I see no competition. I don't ever yeah. want to see anybody as competition with that. Um, if you are doing the same thing, if you got the same idea, then like, how how can I help you? Yeah, kind of thing. You know, we gotta be there for each other. You know, instead <laughs> of working against each other, and that's yeah. something like even back when I was Twitch streaming, I would always say like, "Hey, promote your stuff in my chat." I do yeah. not care. I want you to promote yourself. I want you to say what you're working on. I, if you've got a friend that just made something really cool, drop their, you know, drop their Etsy, you know, or like, hey, if someone else is streaming at the same time I am, go watch them. Yeah. You may be way more interested in what they're doing. You know, it, this idea that we have to climb over each other instead of helping each other is just so sad. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, and I think within this space that's something that i want to make a point of when it comes to obsidian brews and where it goes in the future i will never put down another black person in our community absolutely not you are going to get a seat at the table you know yeah so yeah yeah for sure as long as you're not a complete shitbag Oh, look, there's the asterisk to that yeah Yeah. you know Uh, yeah you gotta you gotta want to represent yourself properly yeah no, I, I think that's, it's so important. Um, yeah. I am curious, like when, when did that sort of sense of community um, come to you? Like, you know, was that, I guess, when did you start to realize like, oh, okay, yeah, this black community is something that I'm majorly a part of and something that I want to help grow or be a positive uh, force in? I think it was when I realized uh, as you know, as someone who you know, I, being a light skinned person, I mm-hmm. had a lot of, I had a lot of things I needed to unlearn, and yeah. it, and it took me a while. I wouldn't say it took me longer than it should have because it was you know the process that needed to happen, and it happened in its time. But mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't until recently, you know, when I started branching out more in the cosplay community and seeing that you know there are black cosplayers there are black nerds out here there's an actual community that wants to accept me that i realized that it was that i belong um and you know (laughs) not to get too deep into that personal thing i think a lot of like uh, a lot of children who are born of you know uh I don't even know if it's okay to say it anymore. Like I'm still learning. I'm still learning, <laughs> but like to say like born of an interracial, you know, yeah. Coupling, like multiracial or a multiracial yeah. coupling, yeah. you know, my, my dad, my, I mean, I'll say it like my dad was a racist and it mm. was very hard for me to process that and to figure out where I belonged. And if I deserve to belong in the black community with everything that I had been raised with and forced to believe and go along with, so like it really took me to like my mid 20s. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it was when I had people like accept me and say, "Hey, come along with us. Mm-hmm. Come join us. Come be a part of this with us. You know, you're accepted, you're loved." And, you know, I'll always give a shout out to to CC the Greek Geek. 
she was there from the beginning and helping me and mentoring me and helping me understand like, hey, you are a part of this community and you deserve to be here and all the love that you give us, you know, is seen and valid. And that's when I was like, I, I just want to give. I just want to give as much yeah. as I can, whatever I can do to help you and support you. You know, if you're trying to make better of yourself and the world around you, then like, yeah, let's do it. Because I have skills and things that were afforded to me that don't belong to just me. I feel like it does belong to the community because we just have to be there for each other with everything that has been thrown at us. Yeah. And certainly I think, you know, um, it is incredible to have kind of overcome that and, and to see, to see past um, some of those things that were for sure really hard. Um, you know, not even knowing the details. Like I know that's hard. Cause like, you know, being a multiracial person, like you, we go through stuff, um, yeah. you know, whether it's our parents or other people around us, um, we, it, you definitely kind of go through that. And uh, Jordan, um, one of my guests that she, is the DM of blackness and dragon. She talked about mm -hmm. on her interview, the decolonization of herself. And um, yeah, it is so important. And and I think it's good though, when you have kind of the self-awareness to like, okay, I, I, I can work on myself, but you know, mm -hmm. what can I do outwardly as well um, to try to provide? Cause you, you're right. Yeah. Like we all have different skill sets, you know? I'm sure there's people who would love to hear other stories of representation who aren't able to like reach out to people and ask right. about that stuff. Um, and hopefully a show like mine can provide it to them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, or like we just talked about, like a lot of people who are not willing to put themselves out there and promote what they do because they are black and they feel like they're going to lose anyway. And having, yeah. you know, Obsidian Bruise to help with that, I think yeah. is, you know, those things are so big. Um, so it's definitely exciting um, it is you know, I, I love it you know and 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 to say all that as far as like going through things being multiracial I do want to make a point to say that you know I don't I don't want to quantify what we go through as far as you know our position in the black community that's one thing I had to unlearn a lot of um was my like light skin privilege in the beginning mm -hmm. and understanding what colorism was and understanding what was the you know what things I needed to decolonize in myself. And that was an important thing. And that needs to continuously be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and you, to, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just oh. going to say, you had mentioned your, your mom being Jamaican. Did you grow mm -hmm. up um, around other Jamaican folks or other Caribbean folks? So my mom's, my mom's got about 12 brothers and sisters. Oh yeah. And, uh, and big family and big, big on family, you know, holidays, everybody was there and there was culture there, but I, I was kind of pulled away from that um, and actively worked on uh, to, to believe uh, negative things about that side of my family. So it took me a while to, I felt removed. I felt detached and I had to catch up you know, my cousins yeah. were immersed into it way more than I was. And so like, it took to like my twenties to be like, Hey, explain our culture to me, please. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the shock of my aunties of like, Oh baby, finally come back, <laughs> you know? And it was just, it yeah. was a, it's, it's a very, and I know my case isn't unique. I've talked to other, you know, other girl, other people, mm. um, 
who had a parent that tried to take them away from their blackness. And that's, and I was scared. And other people that I've talked to too were scared to lean on the black community to help them get to a better place within themselves, you know, but there are wonderful, wonderful people out there. Like I mentioned, Cece, who will really Mm -hmm. just welcome you in and be like, Hey, it's okay. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, having community is such an important thing. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. for myself being an introvert, like I definitely, I definitely always haven't seen the value in it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because isolation just seemed more appealing uh, in general. But um, I will say just, you know, even when, even in situations where it's like the community around me is still cultivated to the extent of like, I'm, you know, these are the people that I want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, it still makes such a big difference. I, I think it still improves who we are as people. Right. Um, you know, so there's definitely value there. Yeah. I, you know, it's that thing of like, you know, everyone's like, be loud about your nerdiness. And it's like, well, let's be loud about being black and nerdy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, it's why, why can't we make that a thing? you know, now as it just. Yeah. No. Uh, so confession, nobody has ever heard this cause I've never once mentioned it, but I uh-huh. only in the past, like three weeks or so mm-hmm. learned what a blurred is. Ah, yes. Yeah. Blurred is a very interesting <laughs> turn. It's getting oversaturated now. And I don't know if that's like, I'm on the fence on whether that's a good or a bad thing because yeah. the first time I heard blurred was childish Gambino in one of his raps i can't remember what song it was where he was like shout out to my blurs," and i was like what the hell is what what is that and then you know there have been cons and groups on facebook and you know when i see the term blurred i'm like oh i feel i can be safe there like that's yeah. a space that is okay so i i do enjoy that that has become more of a thing yeah for sure i i think um you know, there's a lot of that stuff that I'm still learning about it because, like I said, mm-hmm. I've just been so disconnected. Always a learning like, process. Yeah. Always, constantly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's cool that there are things now, even if it's small at this point, like mm-hmm. that we're starting to take ownership of, that we're starting to group together, that we're starting to um, come together and, and yeah. do these things. Um, and hopefully with that, more people will be inspired to do the same and and the community will really just start to yeah. continue to grow. There's, um, sorry. Right. No, there's no, no, a go. really there's there's little like when you say little like there are little breakthroughs within you know for D specifically um as far as how we view class and race mm-hmm. um and that goes a long way especially for young players on how like yeah. there there's a push to not categorize different classes and different races within D, you know with with a certain trope or stereotype yeah like dwarves are not always like you know dumb scottish you know this or that <laughs> or orcs aren't you know orcs don't like have that gruff like like i don't know um yeah. but like you know that idea of like an orc can be a wizard and be smart mm. or you know a a dwarf could be as elegant and eloquent as as an elf you know yeah. we're starting to shift those views and when those things shift within the fantasy world like those were built on actual stereotypes and tropes out in the real world so as yeah. kids are growing up within D and they see that and they understand that and it's like hey let's 
break the barrier and break the rules on that, I think that'll go a long way, especially in making it a safer path for black players within the community to, to reach their goals. Yeah. Um, for instance, there, there was that recent push, I don't say how recent, but in Curse of Strahd to change things about the Vistani because yeah. they were ba- based on, you know, the Roma people and it was very, very racist mm-hmm. and it was like, uh-uh, no, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And that being accepted you know, positively is, is huge. And that I think those are great steps in the right direction for, for a huge shift within the community. Yeah. It is nice to see, um, you know, even, I think it's not happening all the way at the top levels other than Mm -hmm. like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is going to appease people. So like, we'll, (laughs) we'll let the Mm -hmm. editor approve it. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, definitely, you know, things, things are, um, Things that we never thought would see the light of day are seeing the light of day now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I talk about it all the time, but the like, the in terms of like the big two, right? The the D twenty giants, Pathfinder and D and D. Like yes. having the Moenga Expanse is such a huge deal. I absolutely love the book, and it's written by freelancers and and um, you know people who don't specifically work for Paizo um, on a day to day basis. And mm-hmm. it the representation that's in there is so beautiful. Um, you know, you're reading it and it's just like, okay, yeah, this person is a gender fluid cleric right. of the thing. And you're just like, sweet. Yeah. This, yes. <laughs> this is incredible. And they're amazing. black. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have to so, feel, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And of course, you know, the projects that are, you know, uh, by POC that are making POC games. Um, yes. You know, that's obviously such a huge, huge deal. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think Into the Motherlands is going to be one of those Massive. gigantic yeah i cannot wait i oh yeah so yes. good so yeah. many wonderful folks too uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, i love it so but yeah it's nice to see and i mean even you know um they're not black but you know magpie games being mm-hmm. a hispanic and woman-owned company yes out of albuquerque new mexico shout out and um <laughs> and uh and you know, making Avatar Legends and it being a huge Kickstarter, um, mm-hmm. the biggest Kickstarter for TTRPGs ever. Like, um, so those successes in the in the POC community and TTRPGs is such a huge um, thing. But it's just you know, I, I don't think it's going to stop. But that's one thing. Like, we just got to keep moving forward. Got to keep moving. Got to keep stop. pushing. Yeah. Like these are these are big steps, but you know, there's still there's still a few to go, and like it. it it's very nice, not nice, but I feel joyful in knowing that all these things are kind of happening all at once. Yeah. You know, it's like boom, 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 right out the other end. It's like, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep this momentum. And then it's just yeah. not going to stop. And then the whole face of, you know, tabletop is going to change. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, a, yeah. you know, a cool time to be a part of it and to see yes. all of this stuff happen in real time and, and meet people, you know, um, before they're, superstar D&D players and uh <laughs> okay well real quick I do have yeah. to say that I am I've got a spot on the D3 at sea I don't know if you heard of it mm, no there's a D&D cruise uh oh, that's shipping okay. off next year in March and they have celebrity DMs and yeah. um you get to choose a seat at their table and I got a seat with Gabriel Hicks and I'm very yeah, very excited right. I am so honored to be able to just be in his presence to probably be in the same room as Critical Bard, I just it 
I hope that they go so so far. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, for yeah, sure. Just, yeah. Just, Are I you watching that. Shriek Week? I have not had a chance to sit down and watch it yet. I'm waiting. I'm going to take a weekend and just yeah. blow right through it. Well, we won't talk about it, but it's, yeah, I haven't watched I, today's episode, but it, it's, um, I mean, yeah, Gabe is absolutely incredible. And yeah. like, um, it's funny because when I, this all started, there was like this, lots of planning and like looking and stuff and um, not really mm-hmm. paying attention to everything that was going on around me. Um, but one of my favorite shows is a glass cannon podcast mm-hmm. and um it just i mean they're funny they're good guys and yeah um, it is all five white dudes but i i still love the show but they are doing a lot to like change how their stuff is structured for their next campaign and so they're like okay yeah these are our new writers for campaign two because it's going to be all, all homebrew world and at the time i didn't know any of these people but it's like tanya to pass mm. tanya chain Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe Hicks and I'm like okay yeah cool it's beautiful to see some of these POC faces and then later on in the, I'm like oh shit oh yeah oh, okay. ah. <laughs> oh. yeah <laughs> and so <laughs> when I had Connie on they're like yeah I'm actually a writer for Glass Cannon I was like how did I not even like <sighs> I'm such it. an idiot <laughs> I know but uh, the wins <laughs> yes yeah, so yeah it is so huge and um I mean they definitely deserve all the credit all of those folks so um it's so nice to see for sure when did uh kind of a tangent but when did cosplay come into come into your life oh my gosh cosplay and i i my very first cosplay was michonne um Mm. i think you can probably see it behind me these two weird yeah (laughs) uh walking dead they're promotional posters for a bar in harrisburg um the owner knew my dad and in turn knew little me who was no mm-hmm. longer little me was big me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we're doing this walking dead event. Uh, would you mind coming as Michonne? And I was like, Oh, okay. And he's like, well, you kind of look, uh, pain <laughs> you to repeat this. And he's like, well, oh. you kind of look like her. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and at the time I had like sending these twists in and I was just like, I, whatever, dude. But I I came as Michonne. I put together the outfit and I wanted it to be as accurate as I possibly could get it. Yeah. And I had a blast. Everybody wanted to take photos with me. I got to like look really cool. And this was around the time uh, of the governor. So I think it was like season four or five. Mm. And so like one of the bartenders had an eye patch. So we did like a little mini photo shoot of, you know, the scene between the governor and Michonne. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this was so much fun to like, to be the character and growing up, I always wanted to be characters that I loved yeah. in movies and, and film and shows and my favorite animes and such. And then I had an ex introduce me to cons and somehow I finagled at the job I was working at. It was a nonprofit organization that dealt with uh, student exchange. Okay. I somehow convinced them to get a booth at KatsuCon and to let me run it. When I wasn't involved in marketing, I wasn't doing social. I was doing none of that. And somehow I convinced them to have me run this booth at KatsuCon. And I got a paid weekend to go. And it was my very first one. And I was like, this is incredible. I love this life. I must yeah. do it forever. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, it was the first the first weekend. And then after that, like in preparation for KatsuCon, I tracked down the actual vest. I'm, I'm this cosplayer, folks. <laughs> tracked down the actual vest that she wears. 
um, could only find it at one manufacturer. They're like, uh, it's a hundred bucks and you can't get it for a month. And I was like, I don't care. Send it to me. <laughs> don't care. Like I need to have the exact same one she wears on the show. Yeah. And that's gotten me into some trouble with some cosplays because it's like, you can't be spending like $500 to look exactly like the character. Like it's yeah. okay <laughs> to go to Goodwill and buy a jean jacket. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, so that was kind of like my, my, my roots. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so cool though. I think it's, you know, um, I definitely give props to anybody who does it. Cause it's uh, a lot of work. Um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I don't even, I've never even tried it and I can, I know it's a lot of work. Um, one of my close friends who plays in my home game, she does cosplay mm-hmm. and like, she like builds yeah. armor and shit, you know? Yeah, And, and like, you hit a point when you're in the middle of your armor build at three in the morning, you burn yourself on that glue gun one more time and you just cried. You're like, why am I doing this? And you got to just push through it. Yeah. Every cosplayer knows that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, you know, and it looks incredible and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and you get to share that with people. And so, yeah, it's definitely a lot of work, um, but it is super cool. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is the Ren Fair stuff. So how did that, that happen is for you? <laughs> uh, so, being into D and fantasy worlds yeah. uh my you know my dad took me to the ren fair when i was super young and i fell in love i think this is back when pa had an elephant so it had to have been like the 90s well it had to have been i was very little and like <laughs> i would get so excited every year uh we'd go to like gabriel brothers and goodwill and piece together our pirate outfits and that was just a, a, a one of the most joyful things of my childhood Mm -hmm. and then on my 21st birthday (laughs) 21st birthday i went to the pa ren fair pennsylvania they had a full-size pirate ship like you could walk into it and the entire inside was covered in knives and swords and to antiquities swords that were used in films samurai swords you know it was incredible and actual actual quote-unquote pirates i mean some of them thought they were actual pirates uh pirates worked there and i improved a wedding helped improv a wedding proposal on the ship you know this guy came up to them and was like hey i want to propose to my girl and so i helped improv the whole thing um i'm sorry i said wedding proposal marriage proposal that's the (laughs) word uh and and captain you know captain i was like hey are you guys hiring And he's like, that was spectacular. Come back next year. If you still want a job, it's yours. I came back the next year and he's like, all right, you're our, uh, you're our wench. What would they call me? Gosh, they called me something. I was one of the, I was the wench that sat outside the ship and sold daggers. Okay. Um, So I had this giant red chest that I could sit in. And every morning I filled it with daggers and little blades and stuff. But then they had the bright idea to give me all the kids stuff. So I had this chest full of deadly weapons two steps away from like children's doubloons and little eye patches and and the (laughs) scopes. So my entire day for my first year, like every day was just spent trying to get kids not to hurt themselves. Yeah. And I was like, all right, all right, I guess, you know, this is what (laughs) I signed up for. But um I made friends with a lot of the cast and we'd have little improvs that we do on Shire. Like the King would go by and I'd have like a little improv each day. And it was just this beautiful family of 
nerds just enjoying themselves, you know, yeah. and you could just play all day <laughs> long, you know, and, and patrons loved it. Kids loved it. And I, that was 2014. Yeah. I am still going strong at working at the Ren Fair. I no longer sell swords. Um, over the years, I've sold uh, leather, chainmail, uh, boots, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the swords. And then I moved on to uh, selling CDs for different bands, yeah. um, which is, I think, the most fun I've had. Um, being the merch seller is so much fun because you get to like walk through the crowd as they're playing and you have like all their stuff and you can like, you know, make eye contact with people and play with them and have a good time. And my boss, who's the lead singer, always has to be like, hey, my when you know, my my merch seller will not date you. She doesn't <laughs> want your number. She doesn't want to go home with you. Like she's just doing her job. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it out. Like it's like some siren call stuff, but it's just so yeah. much fun, you know, and I love it. I love, you know, you know, you go into the accent and you know, you just make a patron, at least one patron's day. And that like, that's what keeps me going. But yeah, I've done Ren fairs all over the country. I think yeah. I've been all the way out to Los Angeles. I've done, you know, New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, Philadelphia. I was supposed to do Ohio. I'm going to be moving out to Bristol next year. So it's just, it's, it's a beautiful world. And I have to shout out the current band I work for, uh, yeah. the Jack Dawes. They're Irish bar fight music. Nice. And uh, <laughs> they rock. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, you know, it, it's nice just to, um, just, you know, see that you're having fun doing all that stuff. Yeah. Like it's, such a, it's such a blast, like, when you can just enjoy it and, you know, and sincerely, like, be passionate about it and yeah. just like, yeah, we're having fun. And, you know, this is a work, but, but it's work that we enjoy. So, And, you know, that's also another realm where it's not really recognized that there are, you know, black people that enjoy the run fair. Yeah. Uh, I have to shout out my buddy, Joe. Joe is uh, one of the main cast members at the PA run fair. And I've been with him since like, at mostly the beginning i think he was there a couple maybe a few seasons before me i can't remember but the one season that we met everyone because we were two of two black people on shire mm -hmm. uh people would ask me if he was either my brother or my husband because yeah. why not why <laughs> right. not they have to be it you can know. only be one of those two and that's been a running gag between him and I since yeah. like 2015. And we yeah. still keep it going. Like we say, like, you know, we call, we're brother and sister now. Yeah. But watching him move up, you know, at different roles, he was the master of the list. So he got to at the final joust, like address the crowds and just seeing him in his joy and his passion and to know that like how hard he worked to get there and how that there are, you know, other kids out there in the audiences or see him online or like he's out here doing it and I can do yeah. it too. And I think that is so special and so magical to, to have because us Rennies, like we are weird, creative, passionate, <laughs> fantastical people. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so. But I think I'm sure, you know, all of those experiences help mm -hmm. when you're like getting into TTRPGs. And, yeah. Um, and I know that you DM and stuff like that. So like, um, you know, it, it, all of those experiences really do kind of play into it. Like, do you feel like, when do you think you notice that your life 
experiences started to shape the way like you created characters or you created NPCs and stuff like that. It's always, always been always, a part yeah. of it. I think my life has, has definitely been a part of every campaign and every character. Yeah. Uh, I re- created a character recently uh, who was a tiefling. I mm-hmm. Lately, I've really enjoyed whenever I'm playing, I like to play tieflings because they're yeah. deeply misunderstood and scorned and have a lot of trauma and yeah. I have a lot of trauma. Right. Yeah. Um, I I like to play tieflings with devil daddy issues. Yeah. I work it out a little bit and them being destructive and, you yeah. know, they have a, you know, a past of what I used to call it. Uh, oh, shoot. It was like taverns, brews and something else like, you know, uh, I don't know how explicit, like bars, brews and brothels or something like that. But it, like in a yeah. run fair uh or not run for i'm so sorry and like in a dnd sense like you know a long list of undead lovers and you know just just kind of working my shit out through <laughs> through a tiefling you know yeah. it was my most recent thing and the and her overcoming her traumas and her self-destructive nature and becoming a part of a family and feeling like she's accepted in that family you know i worked out not work. I don't want to say worked out, but like I, I've put some of my life experiences into different campaigns. Yeah, and I get inspired a lot about the world around me when it comes to my homebrews and my NPCs and my characters. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry that was long winded. But... No, no, it's good. I, I mean, I think it is nice. That, you know, um, one like either if you work it out or if you are aware of that stuff and and mm-hmm. and you know change it for the good or whatever. Yeah, um, I know. Like yeah, being a child of divorce um i'm always like unless my characters say otherwise like you're gonna have good parents who love each other and just fuck mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah we don't need extra family drama yeah you know? exactly let's yeah. give them what what right. yeah i think I and mean, that's all sorry yeah i was gonna say i mean like it's always surprising anyway if a ttrpg player actually keeps their parents alive in their backstory so might as well make them good very people. Fair. We, we disney that <laughs> Can I drop the D word? Uh, oh, we yeah. like one parent's always gone, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, for, yeah. I mean, as a child of divorce, like I, you know, with Marnie, her name was Marnie's mother was this very important figure who she never got to know. And mm-hmm. she had this like very, you know, tortured past, you know, with her dad. And that's something that like, I was kind of like working out my love and adoration for, you know, my mother and, and, being removed from her from such a long time like that and being able to have that in my character and to comfortably come to my dm and be like hey this is what what is going into this character and my dm great wonderful human being his name's arudai he is the owner and uh, originator of dark galaxies gaming arudai works can work it into the story so flawlessly and does a good job of helping and yeah. helping characters through that and that that is the mark of a good dm if you know your your player is either sorting through something or not subconsciously or not like un, like consciously or subconsciously you know yeah that there's something there that they're working through a, a sign of a good dm is to say like hey red light green light yellow light what what is good here what can i you know what what direction do you want this to go mm-hmm. you know are you comfortable with me adding this element is this going to be triggering for you and that's so important in your your games because it makes the wins that much better because then you fall, you know, you're more a part of it. Yeah, for sure. How do you like, 
when it came to your own personal DM style, um, mm-hmm. you know, how do you feel like you developed that? Uh, it's going to sound weird, but like cinematically, uh, I've okay. always wanted to be, I always wanted to be a director. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm a huge cinephile and a lot of my scenarios and style come from like years and years and years of watching film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, yeah, I like, I kind of fall into like my favorite film tropes and, and add those elements like under the radar and like, kind of like figure out like if I have the theme of my story in line with like something like one of my favorite directors would do, it'd be like, what would they want to do for their characters? How would they steer it? You know, and that's always, it doesn't dictate everything I do. Um, but I like to kind of build this like film quality to my campaigns. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's like a epic, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and oh, gosh, I, every player that I've had has always been like keeping me on my dang toes. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, I have this direction I want to go, but like, all right, you're going to do your own thing. So like, let's make it even, even worse. So <laughs> Yeah. I was telling my players in our last, in our home game that um, they had finally fought this NPC that I had written two mm-hmm. months prior in real time, you know? And I was just like, yeah. by the time they got to him, I was just like, okay, I've already <sighs> changed 17 <laughs> things about this dude at this point now. And the whole scenario of how you're yeah. going to meet him change because it's just like, you're, you're constantly evolving with the players. If you're yeah. listening, right. Um, which oh, if you're a DM, you should absolutely listen to your players, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and so it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, this thing's happening and they want to do this stuff and they want to break into this warehouse for whatever reason. Okay. We'll spend a little bit of time on that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so, um, yeah, I mean, just kind of shaping the world around them and let them yeah. interact with it. Um, but I agree, like, because I've always written my whole life writing and the way that I would write stuff is the way that I do story, um, you know, storytelling yeah. and, and, and that kind of thing. So I totally get it. I always visualize my campaigns like a movie. It yeah. always, it always, that, and when I'm coming up with the next, you know, next part of the campaign and what I want to have in the session, I literally see it play out like a movie in my head. I, yeah. I'll admit it. I will literally talk to myself. I will talk through scenes. I will, you know, I've spent, you know, doing Curse of Strahd. I spent whole afternoons in my bedroom just talking like Strahd and, <laughs> yeah. you know, coming up with these awful gaslighty like terrible things to say to people and then like i end up making myself cry (laughs) i'm very weird i guess and i you know i used to do that as a kid too i i would want to like i always make myself an oc you know an original character for Mm -hmm. those you know who don't uh because i was a fan fiction writer so i had a bunch of fan fictions and i would literally act them out in my you know in my house when my parents were at work and I was alone with my thoughts and and that's what I I still do for my campaigns I'll I'll just act it out in my head and I'll say it (laughs) no I've definitely had those moments too where it's like okay yeah I've come up with this really terrible person and then like I get to the table I'm like I don't want to like do this to my players though (laughs) Let me scale this back because really? I feel bad already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, I oh. totally get it. And yeah, for sure. I mean, that's me 
in my car a lot, like just doing voices or sometimes I don't even realize it. Um, I supposed to be walking and just like saying stuff out loud. Um, and I'm like, Oh yeah, you definitely use an accent there and there's strangers around you. So that's weird. (laughs) Um, I don't don't know about you, but like I'll get stuck in my accents too. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm doing something with, you know, Vladmila or Anastasia, you know, yeah. I'll be hanging out with my roommate and I'll be like, you know, old Zakats is on. Like, I'll like just start saying things and just I'll be stuck in the accent and I'll just, I don't know. I I can't because it just, it's so out of nowhere and random. You know, oh, I pick up the glosses. Ah, my <laughs> yeah. glosses. And like, she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, no, you know, just yeah, these obnoxious totally. characters with weird accents and you know i and i i don't think i'm 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 no you know professional accenter or whatever whatever they're called. impersonator voice actor actor. i am not good (laughs) i'm aware i'm not good but i still have fun with it (laughs) yeah do you do homebrew stuff too or or do you like to stick yeah okay so in your homebrew stuff do you like to bring in horror elements because i know that you're a huge horror fan so Absolutely. Yeah. One of my last homebrews that I wrote uh, that I didn't get to finish, unfortunately, um, but it I came up with this plan and I based it off of original modules from D&D uh, first edition. Mm. And I just kind of I have all these modules that I inherited and I just looked at the front covers yeah. and, you know, and I was like, OK, like what? what can I add to this element? You know, what from this can I take into create a, this scenario? And I started with the sinister secret of salt marsh and I created this whole campaign based around this lich queen stuck in, in the nine hells. And she is somehow manipulating this party to help release her. Yeah. And I just kept, you know, every step of the way I wanted to prevent them from knowing that this was happening. And I created this whole lore and, and universe of, of not universe, this whole lore surrounding, you know, this religion based upon this Lich queen and people not knowing she was a Lich queen. Long story short. (laughs) um, I, I wanted it to be scary and I wanted to have this hidden element. And I love just creating these like darker, more sinister things happening that they have to overcome because mm-hmm. I know that there's always going to be funny things that happen. My players are going to do crazy stuff. At one point, my player sent like uh, this people he wasn't supposed to fight. He set everybody on fire and then burned <laughs> down a library. And I was just like, well, everything you needed was in the library. So good luck with the next part, you know, uh, but yeah. it, it just, my homebrews always kind of come from a darker place. <laughs> I learned that about myself too yeah. in this past one shot. I was like, by the end, I was like, huh, I probably could have made that happier. Ending, yeah. I think. But it was just like, um, yeah, but I, I mean, first of all, shout out to Lich Queen because I think that's the first time I've ever heard somebody make a Lich a woman. So um, I had her as the lady above the waves. And I created this fake war between lizard men and sea elves and that they were saved by the lady above the waves and she had been trapped forever. And the party had to uncover the mystery of who the lady above the waves was. And, you know, do they help the lizard folk? Do they help the sea elves? But then they discovered that there was no war. The sea elves and lizard folk band together to imprison the Lich Queen and the entire campaign 
was her manipulating them into releasing her. And I just, no one plays around with liches. And I also created this, like her servant was an illithid who I convinced the party was just a really nice guy. Like, and they went along with it. And he was with them for like three sessions. It's so funny. I was just like, you are trusting this illithid. Oh my God. And thankfully, like they kept failing their insect checks. So it was just like, (laughs) you know. Yeah. But I I just, I like toying with with weird concepts like that. You know, like what, what would happen if a Lich Queen was released? And I had her trying to like undermine Tiamat and all kinds of other crazy stuff. And uh, the Gith Yankee had impri- helped imprison her. Or no, she used to enslave the Gith Yankee or something like that. And like diving into older lore too within yeah. D&D. Because a lot of these 5e players did not pay attention to first and second edition. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Let me pull out some Eldritch horrors from there. <laughs> no, that's so true though. I, th- I think it's funny, like when when you're playing a deceptive character, it's like that's when the players are like, Oh yeah, this person's totally Yeah, totally, totally fine. fine. Totally and then you're fine. like this honest, nice person that's been around and helped them do things, and you're like, mm, inside check. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You I... literally saved your life, but okay, you got it. Inside <laughs> check. You got it. Sure. What'd you roll? 20? Yep. He's still, he's still good. (laughs) You fucking asshole. (laughs) It just, it's so upsetting. You know, the worst is when you set up somebody for that to help the party and they end up attacking that person. Yeah. And then it's like every bit of information that was going to help you is now lost. (laughs) And we are going to have to spend a good 10 sessions getting to the point that you could have gotten into. Yeah. But I will, I will ride it out. I will make them suffer. (laughs) This is a movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, this is my movie. And you know what? If you miss that information, you don't get it. Yeah. You're done. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I do enjoy that. And with, (laughs) with the Illithid, I don't know. Have you seen the magicians? Mm -hmm. I based him off of Dean Fogg. Oh shit. So Dean Fogg is kind of that, like, you don't really know what side he's on, you know, and he's very, you know, eloquent when he wants to be <laughs> and that we was, should have that started was with the magicians because now i'm yeah. like shit well we could just talk about this forever i love the magicians same it's i so i good. have i have thoughts about no never mind i don't have thoughts i loved it i loved how it ended i don't have thoughts it's as someone who survey survived game of thrones magicians was wonderful yeah for sure <laughs> Yeah. No, it's it's a beautiful series and uh, definitely a warning to anyone who starts the magicians. There are some very triggering themes at the end of season mm. one, um, yeah. but a phenomenal series and a phenomenal book book series as well. Yeah, for sure. And they do they're they're different, but in beautiful ways. Like, yeah, I think the show works amazing as a as a show, and I think the book mm-hmm. works amazing as a oh book. yeah. Um, I enjoyed. Yeah. The concept of trauma, lots to unpack, but I do enjoy the concept of, you know, Q in in the show. Q believes in Fillory, which is basically Mm -hmm. like Narnia. You know, Q believes in this fantasy world, and and he's supposed to be going to grad school, and everyone's like, give up on that crap, and like that's kind of like us, like as you know, as we get older, and we're supposed to be thinking about grad school and kids and marriage and mortgages and economy 
and all this <laughs> stuff. And we want to hang on to those whimsical fantasy elements of our lives. Like that was kind of what Q was going through. But then when Q got to discover things about Fillory, like it wasn't all whimsy. Like there was yeah. hardship, you know, and going through those hardships. And for me, my personal connection with the magicians is that I, I relate a lot to Q as far as his struggles yeah. with his mental health and mm -hmm. that compounded with a love for fantasy and how that was shown visually on the show was just beautiful. And it was something that I think I do take elements of it into my, into my homebrews and into my writing and my stories and how I create characters. I think there's bits of Q and other characters in that, that kind of flow like that. It yeah. did impact me that much that it does flow into my work. Yeah, it's uh, I I one hundred percent agree. Like that was the big draw for me. Once, well, when I saw the trailer, I was like, "This looks incredible." First of all, mm -hmm. um, and then I watched it, and I was like, "Oh yeah!" Like he's like at a party, sitting on the floor, mm -hmm. does not want to be here, mm -hmm. and then goes to his room to hide and read me? fantasy books. And I'm like, "This is me." Like I have been <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> And people That's come out and like, "Come on, come join us!" And he's like, "No, nah. I just I'm gonna I read this first edition." This. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, no, it's so good. I recommend mm -hmm. everybody watch it for sure. I mean, probably uh, read the trigger warnings because it is it yes. is uh, a lot sometimes. It but. is a lot. Um, it's uh, it's just so great to have shows like The Magicians and mm -hmm. you know uh, there's some other ones that have been coming out. I I've been a little out of the loop on fantasy shows, but again, it it breaks down those you know tropes that have been built up for so long that people who are into fantasy are nerds and dorks and you know yeah. who plays D&D &D. and it's like no, like really cool people do. You know, <laughs> yeah. cool people write your favorite fantasy shows yeah. you know and this is their this is their minds and their creative you know work presented to you for your enjoyment they're not lame you yeah. know they're cooler than you <laughs> like yeah. so i think you know having it, it more prominent in media helps us feel like we can come out of our shells more for sure yeah i mean fucking henry cavill who oh. plays oh. Geralt is yeah. a huge fan of The Witcher yeah. before the show came out. Like, I before love being cast. Like, yeah, so. Uh, it's like it's like watching men cry. It's like, yes, show us. Yeah. You can do it. You're allowed to. It's okay <laughs> to have emotion. It's okay to be that buff and into nerdy crap. Yeah. Yes. For like, sure. I. Uh, that's funny. So um, one, of, one of the folks, the first person I didn't know that I interviewed is Joe from makers misfits and i don't know if he's gonna mm -hmm. get mad at me for for uh calling us out on this but i was um we talk um multiple times a week um mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. we've become true friends and uh <laughs> i was watching i told him i texted him i was like hey dude i just watched this like best monologues um from tv or whatever yeah and the will smith one with his dad comes up and it gets me every time and so every i'm like me time. a man who you know five mm -hmm. eleven, 200 pounds yeah is talking to, to another man about how we cry about Will Smith. So beautiful. I love it. <laughs> please, more of those conversations, please. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And, and, and yeah. <laughs> now, I watched Coco with my kids the other day and I started crying. Coco wrecked me. 
It's it is so yeah. beautiful, and I know I, it just. It, mm, I don't. You know. Uh, Disney. I'm just gonna yeah. leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at my thigh. <laughs> yeah. Disney, like, thank you for doing things like Coco and and all the other stuff that they're coming out with now. Mm. Raya, 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 yeah, Raya. We have a character named Raya in one of my campaigns, and I mm. keep mixing them up. You know, and Encantado, I think, is coming out. Yeah, yeah. Just like, okay, yay, thank you for giving us these things. Thank you for not making the POC character turn into an animal again. <laughs> you know, but uh, I have such a love-hate. Yeah. Such a love-hate, because it's like, oh, why are you actually doing this? Is it the money? Do you <laughs> care? Or is it, is it the money? Please, not it's the money. because that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> we, what, what we probably, as a society should do a yeah. better job of is being like thank you writers you know thanks disney for hiring these specific writers right and allowing this to be made but like i mean these writers you know it's pay insane them. yeah pay, whatever Please they're paid pay it's yeah. not enough it's not enough yeah it's not for all the emotional costs we have dripped onto our floors it is not enough oh um, god i'm just i'm very happy though that there's the space i'm happy the movies are coming out because it is yeah. it is really impacting the generate the you know the gen- the next generation and it's for just, sure but don't don't get me started on a money conversation i gotta, I gotta <laughs> no. stop i gotta stop i you oh, oh. <laughs> capitalism is always an issue in my campaigns always there's always yeah. that one dude who's up to no good and it's just one yeah. I, I don't i need to do it again but i created a group of NPCs that was uh, all the Democrats that were running. Uh, so I, I, I each one like became like a different type of character. So like uh, Bernie was a wizard and he every time he casted his fireball spell, he'd say, feel the burn. Or he had this like particular um, spell that whenever someone took damage, he would say, not me, us, and the damage would be dispersed to the rest of the party. You know, or... (laughs) (laughs) I already forgot his name. Bloomberg. Bloomberg was just, like, a baron that, like, very clearly, like, didn't pay his employees, but, like, Mm. anytime someone brought it up, he'd just pay them off. It was just, like, uh, you know, it was Baron Blomberg or something like that, but I was like, you know what? This is relevant, and it is annoying, and I hate it, so let's put it into the campaign. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Uh, I definitely considered making, like, the big bad um, just a Trump Mm. knockoff. (laughs) Just do, like, a shitty Trump accent. Uh, 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 Because it would just be so, like, so good and so rewarding for the characters. (laughs) Yeah. For the yeah. yeah this is some shit well um we could talk forever so i know I think that's i'm so point. sorry <laughs> no you're good you're absolutely good um i just feel like there's a certain point where i have to at least stop the recording so yeah. um we'll make that at this point but um Fabulous. thank you so much for coming on and thank you for I'm having so glad me. i was able to finally <laughs> get you available and then get you here so this has been a blast thank you so much i really appreciate it uh thank you again for supporting obsidian brews like it's been at a standstill but i i really value and appreciate that you took this time and it and it means a lot and i cannot wait to to make it as 
I cannot wait to make it all that it that it can be. Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. And I, yeah, 100%, I will continue to, to do it as much as I can. So Thanks. Uh, I'm excited for it to take off. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Thanks.